Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now it's time for the latest in global politics and delighted to be joined as usual by politics and economics student Thomas Conway. Good morning to you, Thomas. Good morning, Fran. And uh, good to see you. We have to go to Brazil first of all with the shenanigans that's happening there. And there's huge shades of uh, comparison, I suppose, to two years ago in in uh, in Washington, is there now? It is worryingly reminiscent of yeah. the storming of the Capitol. Almost two years to the day that Trump supporters stormed the Capitol building in Washington. And we have effectively a repeat of that scenario in the Brazilian capital, Brasilia. Mm. Now, I was reading up a little bit about it. You know, I mean, Brasilia is a city, it's the administrative capital. It was actually built... It's a in new a, city, isn't it? A new city yeah. built in three and a half years back in the 1950s uh, to serve as the administrative capital of Brazil. But this latest, this latest incident is worryingly reminiscent and very similar to the storming of the capital uh, two years ago. Now, fortunately... Police forces have managed to clear the scene and I think government has has retaken control. Lula out branding the, the supporters, the Bolsonaro supporters, as neo-fascists, yes. which is probably an accurate way to describe them. Bolsonaro has been silent thus, thus far on events, but certainly it is a very grim situation. I'm very worrying for yes. Brazil. I, I think on social media he did condemn the storming of the building, but he was sort of pretty silent in terms of his support still within Brazil. You know? He was, and yeah. I mean, he has remained so since his loss. I mean, he reluctantly, I suppose, eventually acknowledged the, the Lula victory, but has been strangely silent, really. And I mean, there is no sign that Bolsonaro will fade. The, the question now, I think, that people are asking is, Will he fade from the scene politically or will he remain around as and, Trump And, and just done? to remind listeners, it was a very close call in that election. Very similar, I suppose, to the Biden-Trump situation. Uh, again, quite similar. It? Went to a runoff, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Lula eventually eventually snatched victory. Lula, of course, previously very popular during his first tenure as president. If people aren't aware, he served as president from 2003 to 2011. During a period in which Brazil, I suppose, benefited widely from a commodity boom and a, a thriving economy, it's very, very different this time round. He has a number of challenges on his hand. Certainly the inflation, economic yeah, challenge, yeah. inflation. You have deforestation in the Amazon, which is another bone of contention with the international community in particular. He's promised to restore biodiversity in the Amazon. But he has a lot on his plate. And this certainly demonstrates yeah. that a cohort of the Brazilian population and a significant cohort as well are still in favour of Bolsonaro and would be opposed yeah. to Lula. And essentially it was a coup d'etat, well, or an attempted coup d'etat, I suppose. So where does it stand where the defence forces are concerned then? What's the story there? Well, I suppose the military was closely aligned with Bolsonaro. It was one of the key pillars of his support. Now, I think... At this point, I think, you know, it is said government forces have retaken control of the Planalto Palace, which is the presidential palace, and Congress in general. So, I mean, that is at least somewhat yes. reassuring. But it would be interesting to see the military's reaction to this to these events. I mean, 
And it would be interesting to see Bolsonaro's reaction, whether he comes right. out and speaks further on it and in the, the coming days. And the fact that the rest of the world has embraced Lula da Silva, um, I presume that helps in this situation. It does, it yeah. does. And look, you have various world leaders from Rishi Sunak to Joe Biden to President Macron in France coming out immediately yes. and condemning this attack, as you would expect. But yes, Lula will be closely aligned to them. I suppose he's much similar... In principle, he's a left-wing president. Mm. That should be remembered, you know, espouses a left-wing ideological vision. But it's not too far left. And I think he has had to moderate his views and gravitate towards the centre in order to in order to win the yes. presidential a election. A little tarnished by corruption charges. He though. is tarnished by corruption charges. He suffered a criminal conviction for corruption. Now, it was subsequently quashed. But Lula actually spent time in jail. Now, he will say he is exonerated, but I think... Shadows still remain around him. Clouds still hang over him. And I certainly Bolsonaro supporters, Lula critics, will point to that criminal conviction yes. uh, and use it as leverage against him. Interesting to see what's going to happen there in the future. But I, I was also half amused to see that uh, Bolsonaro, he appears to be in Florida. So you'd wonder, is he hanging out with Well, <laughs> this Trump? is the thing, you know, and I mean, <laughs> they were the best of friends. They're very similar, you know, right-wing leaders. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if Trump has a reaction to this. Walter and just. And whether he, uh, whether he expresses an opinion on it maybe on his truth social platform that will be interesting to observe as well won't it indeed let's have a look at North Korea because I'm always fascinated by what's going on in North Korea um, what about 2023 for North Korea what, what should we expect yeah well first of all it broke all sorts of records in 2022 and most of them were related to its nuclear programme but North Korea lest we remind people the probably definitely the world's most isolated state. It seems to pride itself off its reputation as kind of an international pariah. And I think most of the global community have next to no idea as to yeah. what really goes on. Because I was surprised. You were telling us 26 borders. million people. 26 I million people. That. Like it seems, it seems, I think, to the outside world that all North Korea, all Kim Jong-un does is test nuclear weapons. But it is a country, it is a massive country. It is 26 million people. It emerged uh, post-Korean War in the 1950s as the wealthier part of the Korean Peninsula. So it was actually wealthier than the South initially. And then the Kims came to power and I think devastated that wealth and that economic prosperity and have reigned in in a dictatorship since then. It is a very peculiar part of the world. Yeah. I mean, you have the Kim's, Kim Jong-un now, obviously, his father and his grandfather before him, seen as kind of this mythical dynasty, uh, which are endowed with, with qualities of strength and valour and leadership. I mean, his father is still appreciated in a godlike way, isn't he? In a godlike way. And I mean, dead, I yeah. would assume Kim Jong-un intends to forge a similar reputation for himself. For himself. And that is the curious thing about the North Koreans. So, like, questions remain as to how much of the North Korean population actually know what was happening, what is happening within their country. You would suspect very little because their connection to the outside world is tenuous yeah. at and, best. And 26 million people, I mean, is it very poor? Are they living in great poverty? What, what is that? Well, Kim Jong-un has actually come out for the first time in the past few months. He has come out and acknowledged that food poverty is an issue in the country that parts of it are at risk of famine even which is a devastating scenario so i think there is a uh, a kim kim is slowly coming to terms with accepting the fact that you know his his country is economically in absolute despair 
And still the spend on weaponry is Still is the huge. spend on net weaponry. And if we just look some at some of the statistics in 2022, North Korea had a record-busting year, effectively. Kim Jong-un fired more nuclear mess- missiles than ever. He proclaimed North Korea essentially as a nuclear power. And then you have tensions on the Korean peninsula with yes. the South, probably at their highest point since 2017. And that was the year in which Kim and President Donald Trump engaged in that kind of that rhetorical spat, that acrimonious rhetorical spat. Last week, we had the South Korean president, Yoon Suk-yul. He issued a warning to Kim that he would consider suspending a 2018 inter-Korean military pact if the North breached South Korean territory, that was subsequent to North Korea sending drones into the South, uh, which was another breach of that treaty. So, I mean... Yes, and and the relationship between Seoul and America, of course, has to be considered here as well, hasn't it? It does indeed, because, I mean, if we look back to what Kim actually got up to in 2022, earlier in the year he tested a suite of new new short and long-range missiles designed with the capability to hit South Korea. He followed up with a series of medium-distance missiles capable of targeting Japan, and then, by the end of the year, it had successfully tested its most powerful intercontinental ballistic missile to date. It's known as the Hwasang-17. And in theory, that missile is capable of reaching anywhere on the US mainland. So that is a hugely worrying development. And there is no sign that Kim Jong-un will stop. Uh, He seems quite intent on increasing the threshold, on on increasing his production of nuclear weapons. It's it's his flagship policy. It's his priority at this stage. And is this just narcissism and ego, is that...? Well, like, let's take a look at Kim Jong-un as a person. So, look, born on January 8th, 1984, question marks around that. We're not certain uh, around the specific age. But he rose to power at the age of 27, following the death of his father. He wasn't always the successor, But after a number of defections and a number of events within the family, he emerged as kind of the heir apparent. And I mentioned it before, the Kims are this divine dynasty. They have an almost mythical status in North Korea. But Kim was educated like his brothers in Switzerland. So a European education, he's no fool. Is, is the thing here. He, yes. he, he isn't stupid. He is well aware of the world outside North Korea and well aware of what is happening inside his own country. But he's ruthless. To the he Thomas, is absolutely he? ruthless. Yeah. And, you know, he has attempted to project that image of valour and strength. He confronted Donald Trump with that war of words. Then we had this almost farcical scenario in which we had an international, two international summits between Trump and they seemed to forge... <laughs> This unlikely friendship. With little Rocket Man, as he used Little to Rocket Man, as Trump branded him. There were denuclearization thoughts. Initially, there was optimism around those yeah. thoughts. Trump even visited the demilitarized zone, which is the, DM- the DMZ, they call it, yes. the zone between North and South Korea. Those thoughts of so- talks have subsequently broken down. I mean, there has been little to no progress since 2019. Kim, I think, has been more occupied on. Uh, quashing any resistance within his own family. He's thought to have ordered the execution of both his uncle and the murder of his half-brother, following rumours that each may have been planning a coup of some sort. Isn't there a lot of talk about his sister as well? Is his sister some sort of a 
sort of dingbat as well. Is Th- that is yeah. that is another factor, yeah. you know. And, and we have, and we should also mention his wife, mm. a woman named Ri Soljoo. She was thought to be a, a famous North Korean singer, and the couple have three children. So, in essence, Kim Jong Un is kind of a total enigma. We know bits and pieces about him, but we've yet to really get the full picture. He's 37 years of age now, approaching 37 years of age. He's been more than a decade uh, in power. Mm. And still little is known about him and little is known really about what actions will he ever integrate North Korea into the international system. It remains relatively close to China and Xi Jinping, but, I mean, there are still huge question marks. Is he sound in power, though? I mean, are there any sort of, you know, complications around him that would lead you to believe that maybe somebody's looking to oust him in some way? A successor hasn't emerged, and he has done his utmost, his utmost to to quash any resistance, as I, you know, murdered, effectively, Mm, his half-brother, the execution of his uncle. So no heir apparent has emerged, but, I mean, it's North Korea. You can't write anything like that off. He assert there is certainly uh, a possibility that somebody may emerge, given the state that the country is in at the moment. But, you know, again, we go back to the fact that they are perceived as an almost mythical dynasty. There is no real challenge from outside the family it's, coming at me time incredible. soon. Um, I just want to use our, our final five or six minutes to talk about, because it worries me what's happening in the Balkans at the moment, particularly when we look back to the awfulness of the 1990s and stuff. Uh, there's a little bit of instability, instability there again. Yeah, the situation remains extremely volatile. And we had, of course, remind, lest we remind people, the ethnic tensions in the Balkans following the breakup of Yugoslavia yeah. in the 1990s unspeakable atrocities committed uh, on behalf of either side there but over the past few months there has been a slight escalation in tensions and the epicentre of these tensions is Kosovo which is a small state of 1.9 million people kind of on the border with Serbia. Serbia doesn't recognise it. It declared independence from Serbia in 2008 having broken away following kind of a war, conflict in 1998-1999. But tensions between Pristina, the Kosovan capital, and Belgrade, the Serbian capital, have skyrocketed in recent months. And to give you an idea of what has actually caused them to flare, it was a dispute around car licence plates. Essentially, the Serbian government wanted all of the Kosovan population to use Kosovan-issued car licence plates. Now, the issue there was there is a small enclave of ethnic Serbs who live in the north of the country who were resistant to this. And, of course, it seems like a rather innocuous and almost petty dispute, Mm. but I think it just demonstrates how volatile and yes. how, how well, tense the, the, the situation is. The fact it came on the back of the uh, Russian involvement in, in Ukraine, did, did that trigger anything here? Did well, I... this is the thing. Serbia is one of the few European countries which I won't say has aligned itself with Russia, but its president, Alexander Vucic, has has been worryingly close to Vladimir Putin and has taken a, a kind of a very ambiguous stance on the war in Ukraine. He hasn't condemned it as such. He has positioned himself close to Putin, which is worrying. And the Serbian government then has come out and, of course, accused... Sorry, the Kosovan government has accused Serbia of effectively plotting terrorism against ethnic Serbs living in the north of the country. 
My God, and and those of us of a certain age, we, we can remember well the awfulness of the 1990s and the dissolution of Yugoslavia. I mean, it was some of the fiercest uh, fighting. And and you mentioned the the name that emerged from it, of course, Slobodan uh, Milosevic. Milosevic. Yeah, that, that, that was the, the Serbian leader, of course, at the time, yeah. Yes, indeed, indeed. And unspeakable atrocities committed. And, you know, the Yugoslavs, Yugoslav war is considered probably to have been the bloodiest conflict to take place yeah. on European soil since World War Two. Now, we hope that it's not superseded by the war in Ukraine, but, I mean, all we can do is hope in that regard. Absolutely, because I heard this morning 600 um, Ukrainian troops were killed. That is the latest, probably the, the largest of the war so far. Absolutely. Um, you were talking to us earlier on, of course, about uh, Brazil and stuff. And just a, a quick look at uh, South America at uh, the moment, because uh, there's, there's uh, fiscal issues, needless to say, in all of South America. Fiscal I issues. I mean, Latin America is now enthralled to the left. There are various left-wing leaders. We've spoken about Lula. Uh, you have others such as Gustavo Petro in Colombia. The biggest election of this year, however, will be the election in Argentina, which is now we have Argentina still celebrating its glorious World Cup triumph, but the country is reeling from economic and political crisis. There is an election at the end of the year which could be decisive and could spring another left-wing leader to power. Similarly, a June election in Guatemala could see a left-wing leader rise to power there. So a lot of different leftists in government now but the country is reeling from deeply entrenched fiscal and economic crises. A lot of them have built up and accumulated an awful lot of debt and political polarisation remains extremely high. And I suppose that has been illustrated in Brazil over the past 24 hours. So, you know, there are challenges yes. ahead for South America And, and this I guess year. part of those challenges uh, would have to be climate change as well. And you mentioned the deforestation, for example, where um, Lula is concerned as well. That is a major yeah. factor. Climate change is a major factor. And you could argue that South America is one of the continents worst affected by it. Lula has promised to restore biodiversity levels in the Amazon. A lot of leftist leaders in South America would probably be sympathetic to that cause, but there's no guarantee that they will have the fiscal power, Mm. in other words, the money to do that, to address that, because we have to remember, if we just go back to Brazil, you know, it's a lot of Brazil's industrial and agricultural output comes as a result of deforestation. There is a reason they cut down trees. I'm not defending it. But, I mean, there is a reason these large cattle plantations yes. are there, uh, these large crop plantations. They cut down trees because they use the land to make money. So that has to be a factor, and you have to consider that. And government leaders will obviously be considering that. And, of course, we didn't even touch on the the huge drug issues. Well, this is another one. Discussion. What should we look out for in the in the week to come, Thumbs? Yeah, one of the things is the subsidy battle between the US and Europe. I think I mentioned that previously, but... The US and the EU might be very strong allies and the best of friends, but when it comes to industry and green subsidies, the relationship is far from rosy. Last week, the French government hit back at America's green industry plan. It announced kind of a suite of new measures of its own designed to incentivize investment in France's industrial sector. And it was effectively retaliation to one of Joe Biden's flagship policies, which was the Inflation Reduction Act. Yes. That included a huge package for green subsidies for uh, for businesses. So this is a kind of a simmering bone of contention between the EU and the US. Look, they're not going to fall out indefinitely because of it. 
but it certainly is something to keep an eye on in the next week. We always keep an eye on what's happening in China as well. Um, what about that? Yeah, big year and brace for impact is how I've termed this one. You know, China's COVID surge, we have cases skyrocketing across the country. It was the headline on many news sites yesterday. Um, you know, COVID cases surging countries wondering whether to whether to impose restrictions on Chinese travellers. So that is another is another one to watch out for in the next right. week. And just finally, Thomas, we have to make reference to the election of the Republicans uh, speaker there and the controversy around that as well. Un- oh. Unprecedented stuff. Unprecedented. For Kevin McCarthy, fortunately for him, eventually got through after 15 votes. Uh, almost farcical. You know, it was kind mm. of quite entertaining watching it. But it does highlight the fact that the Amer- or the Republicans have a very slim majority in Congress or in the lower house of Congress in the US House of Representatives. Now, it will be enough to make Joe Biden's life quite difficult. There is no doubt about that. But at the same time, when you have a slim majority like that in you of defectors within your own party, it still makes it difficult to get things done. It's very different having a majority of a couple of seats as opposed to ma- a majority of, say, 20, yes. 30 seats. So, you know, uh, Kevin McCarthy had to convince a small faction of support of uh, Republicans within his party to back him. He yeah. couldn't do so. And we, we might fully realise here the importance of that role of Speaker. I mean, it is vital, isn't it? It is, it is. It's the third most powerful yeah. position in the United States, second in line to the presidency after the vice president. So, you know, it's a highly prestigious position. It's one Joe uh, Kevin McCarthy has, has sought for much of his yes. career. He'll be delighted that he's finally in power, but you know, there are there are various ways he could be unseated, so uh, he is far from comfortable, I think. That's, that's for sure indeed. Thomas, is always a pleasure. Happy New Year to you and thanks for Happy coming. Happy New Year, Fran. Thank you. Thank you. Thomas Conway speaking to us today about world affairs. We'll take a break. Uh, news is on the way. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie